hey, you all know that we like games around here. We like learning games. Not so hot on gamification. That's just me. But we've talked a lot about learning games in the past. We want to talk today about what we've learned from the games that we've played. So join us in that journey on the Learning Geeks podcast starting now. Hello, boyos. Hello. How are you? It's getting to be the weekend. And I got to tell you, uh, gentlemen, that the fall colors are starting to really blossom in the mountains of Utah. So uh, I anticipate anticipate I'm going to be a little sick couple of mornings this next week <laughs> while I drive to the mountains and take it all in. I'm not feeling so good. I'm going to hop in the car and have a nice drive. You got fall fever. I remember fall. We don't get fall here. We just get perpetual summer. Yeah. Which which is a nice thing, too. It, it's not bad, but, you know, you, you get the days where you wake up. I and mean, this happens to me a few times a year since I moved out to L.A. You, you wake up in the morning. You're like, wait, what holiday are we closest to? Like, is Halloween coming up or are there's we nothing past outside that? to tell there's no like, indicator to queue it up yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we're we're at the, I'm actually looking at one of our maples out here and it's starting to turn a little bit orange um and then some of them on the top of the trees are starting to turn red so I feel like in a couple of weeks we're going to start to see a lot of colors It'd be nice well I might just have to come out and visit you guys again favorite time I, I'll of do, the year I'll do a grand tour it. that's pretty I I do I do love fall in Chicago. And I really miss that. The only external indicator that we get right now of seasons is the holiday celebrations at Disneyland. Oh but, yeah. But now that's off. Cause like they start Halloween time starts September 1st, <laughs> like yeah. two full months of Halloween. And it's, yeah. it's even worse at the, at Disney world at the magic kingdom. They start their parties like the middle of August. Jeez. Yeah. I, I'm going to be out there at Disneyland I don't remember if, if you remember, but out in December. I do And this remember. is, I think, the first time that I'm going to actually be at Disney in December, but I have been there multiple times yeah. for the holiday, but it's always at November 1st. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah right. November right, 2nd. for the Maisie Conference, right? Like, we're <laughs> exactly. always there during that time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. Well, Jake, yeah, I think you're coming right around my birthday, so we, we have no mm. excuse but to get together and have you buy me dinner. Uh, there's probably a Chick-fil-A somewhere near there. <laughs> I get five extra bucks. Yeah, exactly. Jake's going to be like, oh, let's see what I can do with mobile order. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, hey, this is not the topic that people came. Maybe it is the topic that people came here to hear. But um, but let, let's not talk about this. Let's talk about games, right? So um, like I said in the intro, we all are firm believers in the power of learning games as learning experiences. That's just a really good tool to have in our toolbox. And um, we're, we're very excited about that. But I was thinking as I set up this topic, what are some of the specific lessons that I've learned from the games I've played? And, you know, f- from this I think we can extrapolate in terms of how can we design learning games or learning experiences that take advantage of some of these things. You know, like how, how do the game mechanics that we talk about translate to things that we as learning professionals could apply? But I thought it'd be a fun conversation. So, yeah. so I, I, I will start. Uh, I will start with one that is not really obvious, uh, which is blackjack. So let me tell you the story about how I learned to play blackjack. It It's not about... It's not about how I learned the mechanics of blackjack. It's how I learned 
to have at least a little bit better chance of of winning blackjack. So mm-hmm. way, way back in the day when I used to travel the country and sometimes the world and teach software classes for Anderson Consulting, uh, my my training partner, Steve, and I would um, – you know, we, we, we go out to dinner, go out to eat at night and try to do something to entertain ourselves. And one night we went to Dave and Buster's and this is before Dave and Buster's was just like the huge national chain, right? It was really centered. I think in, in, I think this was in Texas and way back in the day at Dave and Buster's, they had just for fun blackjack. You could go and you could play blackjack. And I think you couldn't even win tickets to redeem for prizes because that was too close to gambling. It really was just for fun. But Steve and I went and we're like, oh, let's play blackjack. So we sit down and we play a couple of hands. And the dealer looks at us and just says, you guys have no clue what you're doing, do you? (laughs) (laughs) And we're like, oh, no, we don't. Uh, How could you tell? And he said, here's here's the secret for blackjack. This is the most fundamental thing that you need to know, right? Is every card is worth their face value, right? So, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Mm-hmm. Tens are worth 10. Jacks are worth 10. Queens are worth 10. Kings are worth 10. Aces are worth either one or 11, right? So we know that. Mm-hmm. So what that means is, I don't know the exact math, like a third, more than a third of the cards in the deck are tens. So if all you do is think, hey, the card that is down that I can't see, that is face down that I can see, the odds are very high that that card is a 10 and you play accordingly, you'll get this much better at blackjack. Hmm. And it was like all of a sudden the light bulb went on in my head that at no time when I play any card games, do I really think about what the probability and statistics are of like mm-hmm. the, what the next card might be that gets flipped over, right? I, I, I was the type of guy who would play penny any poker and I would be holding out for four of a kind with three threes, <laughs> even though I'd already seen a three like come and go. Right. You, you know, like it wasn't even clicking with me. And the the light that came on of the logic behind playing a, a game of cards and the information that you gain just from seeing what cards other people show you that they have or cards that they discard. I was never, ever taking that into account. So I learned a lot of really good lessons about logic and taking advantage of all the information that was accessible to me in making a decision. And I got better at blackjack. I'm still bad. And you know what? It's like, I'm sure that there are people who listen to this podcast who are like, you know, poker players. Actually, Mm -hmm. I know a couple of people who listen to this podcast who are like semi-pro poker players. And I know that they were just rolling their eyes when I said, (laughs) (laughs) you know, this is so obvious. You're such an idiot. But (laughs) so, uh, Bob, when you you said, uh, you know, we're going to talk about games today. Yeah. My head went back to the the kids games I used to play and the lessons I learned from those. So, for example, shoots and ladders, if anybody's played shoots and ladders. What I learned from that is life is not fair. Yes. Right? <laughs> because every time I get close to the end, I would get a shoot and whoever I was playing with would get a ladder. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so funny you mentioned that, Dana, because I literally was talking about that with somebody today. They they were talking about like working through spending two years working uh on a sales proposition mm-hmm. and 
just today discovering that that person was leaving the company. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and they had to start all over again from scratch. And I'm like, it's like you're playing shoots and ladders. It's the exactly. one that goes from 98 back to two, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and then there's games like Battleship I used to play, right? So you learn some things about war, but you also have to create a mental model, right? Because with Battleship, when you play that, you can't see what the other person's right. board looks like. So you have to little by little kind of construct and where their ships might be, which ships are where based on your hits and misses, and then recognize that they're trying to do the same thing. And then you have to decide, okay, I'm not going to move my boat because they can't see me. Not that I ever did <laughs> so that. So morals, ethics, right? Yeah, yeah, Good morals lessons. and ethics. And then, yeah. and then, of course, every, you know, the classic monopoly, right? You learn financial domination or financial <laughs> So, so those are the lessons that yeah, I maybe learned. Maybe not from the lessons. Games. Yeah, maybe not the lessons we're interested in. Oh, okay. uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I take that back. That's not the way. It, I, I don't think that we want to apply financial ruin and domination as the lesson <laughs> to walk away with from Monopoly. Okay. That's what I'm saying. All right. All right. I, I'm All not right. seeing that as a positive, but there are good lessons I, from Monopoly. You were wondering what lessons did we learn? Those, yeah, those yeah. are some lessons I learned. Well, if, if we're going to keep on the, the kid game <laughs> yeah. thing, because yeah. you made me think of... of um, a couple that you mentioned, Dana, but I remember when when Zoe was little and she would have played the game Memory. So you remember the, oh, yeah, card, yeah. the flip cards? That was the game, and this isn't really a great learning moment, but that's the game where I felt like an idiot. And <laughs> because one thing that I've, I've found fascinating is that as a kid, she was capable of seeing the little indentations of the cards oh, interesting. and starting to see that card is a little bit faded or that card has a little bit of fold. I know that that is whatever character. I know that that oh, was wow. that card. So at, but over time as we played it, we've tried to play it again. Yeah. It's not the same. She's not picking up on those cues. So when she was littler, she was able to pick up on those things, which me, I couldn't, I was just getting my a kicked <laughs> like every yeah. time, every single time. And I couldn't figure it out. And then, you know, the chance games like shoots and ladders, I would lose yeah, all yeah. the time. But that was, again, by choice, which I never understood it. But not choice, sorry, by chance. Never understood why I lost so much. Because she's using Mark Carr. That's yeah. the lesson. Yeah. That's, the, life, that's the lesson. That's yeah. the lesson. <laughs> Kids' games are not fair and life's not fair. And she was, right. she was using learn, Mark Carr. Learn it young. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's how you cheat mark the yeah. cards so you can see what they are from the back. Right? Yes. <laughs> Even though she wasn't intentionally doing that. Yeah. You know, uh, all of this, though, does lead to a really good application thing about games is that it sets up an environment where you can uh, you can comfortably experience failure and learn from failure. Mm -hmm. And th that triggered for me when you were talking about Battleship, Dana, right? Like, yeah, I, I used to in the placement of my ships in Battleship, you know, I'd always try to do something like really innovative and edgy. And sometimes I would do the mass cluster. Did you ever do that? Yep. Where yeah, it's like absolutely. you put all of them on top I of each other. I remember that, yeah. And, yep. you know, usually that would fail because at some point they would find a hit in there, right? And yep. they might be confused for a couple of minutes because it's like, you know, wait a second. Like, you know, is this an L-shaped ship and why hasn't it blown up or something like that? But it, it's really easy once somebody finds that cluster of ships to run the table on you. And yeah. yeah, so I learned not to do that. Another dimension that I think that's very interesting about games is the whole social dimension, right? Because yeah. mostly you play games with other people and sometimes it's online, but it's with other people. Mm -hmm. Or if you're sitting playing shoots and ladders or the memory game, right? It, there's a social dynamic. 
that uh, takes place there. And you start to learn about uh, different people. Like Jake, you learned about Zoe cheating. having a, having yeah, a perception that you a perception that you didn't have. And Bob, you and I and several others from our team just went to an escape room recently, right? Yeah. And there's a huge social dimension there. And one of the things that I always find fascinating anytime I do a, uh, an escape room is you start to learn what the different skills and capabilities of your teammates are. So, for example, there were a couple who were really good with the math puzzles, right? Mm -hmm. Others were good with uh, the more the puzzles that required a little more strategic thinking or or visual representations. That, and so, so there's a social element where when you play a game, you learn about uh, unique characteristics of each other. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are great for social games too. When you think of any type of social game of some any kind, you tend to have the people play a role. Mm -hmm. And, and so from, you know, if you're thinking from a collaborative standpoint and getting to know your team, games are fantastic for that because you get to see, oh, Dan is really smart at the, at the puzzles. He's really great at finding these random clues that no one ever notices. Bob's great at getting, getting the cues maybe in the intro story that he can find. Maybe that was the clue there or something like that. And I think that's the, that's the fun part. And yeah. then there's Jake that still loses in the background. That's I, I was gonna, say, I was gonna say, <laughs> Jake, what I'm really good at is I'm really good at trying the same thing that everybody else has just tried and thinking that I'm original. <laughs> oh, yeah. nobody's tried this before. Everybody's going, yeah, we tried that five minutes ago. We tried that already. Yeah. Sorry. You know what else was interesting about that escape room? I mean, we, we walked out of there and we were a little annoyed, you remember? Because yeah. there were a few puzzles in there that really did not seem fair. Like they did not. See we needed hints and it was like, oh, come on. There's no way that anybody would have figured that out. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I know that's really easy to say when you're trying to ego repair and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but that's ego repair is a whole nother thing about it games. is <laughs> right. But but they really weren't fair. And that is another good lesson to learn is is games are a good place to have safe failure. But mm -hmm. also if that failure doesn't feel like it's earned or justified, it just feels bad. Yeah. You know, it, and it can, it can sabotage the whole thing. I, I played a game once that was called um, majestic and this came out, Oh my gosh, probably 25 years ago. It was right after that movie, the game came out, which was all focused on like the super immersive, like, you know, I think it was Michael Douglas was the lead of that. And he gets pulled mm -hmm. into this game and it takes over his life. And it's like oh everybody, do you remember this? Everybody around him is is yeah. playing the game and stuff like that. So it was like that. It was, it was a game that you signed up for it and you get emails, you get phone calls, you get messages on AIM. That really dates it. <laughs> on AOL Instant <laughs> Messenger, right? And... um. You know, it was kind of this whole spy story. It's like you're getting pulled into this whole spy story, you know, and it goes out over several days. And uh, there was one mission that I had where it was like, okay, you've got to navigate this drone robot through a hallway and avoid the security system. And they had a whole simulation of it set up so you could practice, right? And I spent hours practicing this because I wanted to perfect it. I spent hours practicing it and I got to the time, you know, it was like on a Saturday afternoon when I was scheduled to do this run and I get in there and I executed it perfectly and I still got caught. And then I found out that <laughs> I found out that everybody gets caught. It was built into the story. 
Like oh. you couldn't, oh. there was no way to succeed. It was a Kobayashi Maru type scenario. Yeah. And um, I, I was so frustrated. I canceled the game. You know, I, I was yeah. just like, I stopped paying for this. Like th- this is not fair. This just feels bad. So yeah. when, when we're thinking about learning experiences or designing simulations or things like that, we've got to be really careful that when we hit the failure points that they don't feel contrived. Yeah, that's that's a really an important point because if if all the people experience when they're doing a learning game is frustration, yeah, they, they will they'll check out mentally and say, well, you know, this this is rigged. Yeah, it yeah. shoots it shoots and ladders. It's not fair. <laughs> right. Well, I I think even just if if it is a game based for learning purposes, if you make it too hard and yep. somewhat un, unachievable, all you're going to remember is is the hard part. Yeah. And then you're going to forget everything that was intended to be learning there, unless you truly try to draw it out. But most of the time, from a memory standpoint, they're just going to remember the the bad or the challenging right. part. Yeah, R- Right. No matter how good of a debrief you do at the end, the frustration is going to override everything. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> Which yeah. is another key lesson. If you're learning, if you're, see, this is winding up being more about like how to use learning games <laughs> Than I it even is. thought it was, but hey, you know, we evolve. With well, but, well, but we always think about that. <clears throat> that's the thing that we always do with games, though. I mean, for those that are for our listeners, there have been a few times where I think the three of us and others, we actually do. You remember this a couple of years ago, probably like five or six years ago now, where we all bought uh, a game in a box, like some type of box game, and we mm-hmm. we brought it home, played. I think that was when we were looking into escape rooms, and we bought an oh, escape yeah. room in a box. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And we did our homework. And then, or then we went to places. We tried, we tried escape rooms. We've done, we've done that thing. Or we've gone played in like VR type games. We've done all these things before, but we do it as homework, and we just naturally always gravitate towards how do you apply it. So I guess like that's why our conversations always lead that way. Well, that's true. I mean, I do that with everything in my life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the other night we had uh, several of the kids over, and and they they pulled out the game Hues and Cues. Are you guys familiar with that? No. Huh. I, so, I've heard of it, but I, I'm trying to remember what it is, Dana. Please so, explain so it. it's a yeah, it's a game board, pretty good sized game board, that has like a rainbow of colors. Like it has little squares that have just slight variations, right? And and so as a player, you get a card, and there's a color on there, and it gives you, you know, it says K nine, right? And that okay. so that gives you an intersection, and at K nine, there's a particular color. And you have to use one word to try to get everybody else who's oh. playing to put their peg on the color that it is, right? Because you get awarded if they're accurate. And then they so have like a if second, it's purple, you might say like grape. You might say, or or plum. Or, yeah, right, yeah, depending yeah, yeah. On, depending, but the, the, sometimes they're so subtle, it's hard to tell the difference. So yeah. then, then the second round is you get to give a two-word clue. Now you can't say you know orange or something. Yeah, like that, right. But, um, what, what's what was interesting about the game is um, you know all of my daughters grew up crafting, and always loved getting their new box of Crayola crayons. Yeah. And they studied you know they, oh give me the turquoise oh give me the burnt sienna oh give me you know and and the uh, their husbands when they, they what is turquoise <laughs> I've never heard of that. Crayon. Yeah. Right. Right. Burnt, burnt sienna. I have no idea what that. So, so it's interesting to see that my crafty daughters, who kind of grew up learning those colors, were much better at playing the game than 
my sons-in-law interesting yeah played played kick the cannon football yeah (laughs) but they had this shorthand right they had this common language they were able to draw on which is super interesting it's like trying to play password with couples that have been married for years and years you know and it's like the word that you're trying to guess is is can and the they'll give the clue like valentine's day like can Boom. <laughs> you're right right <laughs> what's the relationship there yeah exactly okay now you got to tell the story right yeah 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 and 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 back to crayons real quick before i, I share one of my stories um yeah. Who doesn't like opening up a new box of crayons? It's like one of the 64 best colors. And Absolutely. You, get it, you yeah. know, you used to get it for 50 cents or 25 cents. There's something like... about the memory. When you open up that crayon box and, and that whiff of crayons comes your way, <laughs> it just brings you back. Yeah. And if you get the big one that has the has sharpener, sharpener on the back. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You can generate you that crayon smell. You ruled, you ruled a classroom if you had you that did. one. You did, yeah. All right. So mine, you know, I, I I thought about this. We shared this even before. This this my story. I remember when my parents bought a PC, and it was a Windows ninety five machine. Okay. Um, Ooh. I don't think I had internet at that time. Wow. We lived out in the country, and maybe we had dial up internet at the time, but I don't think we got it right away. I think we just had our PC, and where I was playing around with it forever. I just got hooked on it. And one of the games that I played forever was Roller Coaster Tycoon. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. Yeah. For for the listeners that have not heard of that, because it is it's an older game, and um, I think there's been ad- adaptations of it at this point, even from mobile side. But it's a simulation based game. You are in charge of creating uh, an amusement park. Again, there's so many simulation games out there, but that was just what it was. And I loved it. I just sat there and play, play, played and thought about the park, thought about how I want to do it. And what I liked, what I loved about it is that there are a whole bunch of things that you had to think about. Your your money, your budgets, your um, your ride locations, uh, your setup, where food was at based off of where the ride was. Because then you might have some food place that was right next to a crazy ride that spun around too much. And then a lot of people would throw up right next to it. (laughs) So you had to think about your can locations and everything. But if I step back, one of the things I actually do think it helped me learn, um, and I can link this to experiential design. Yeah. Um, but at the time, of course, I wasn't thinking of it that way. I was actually thinking about the choice, like the design choices you make, the choices that you put in have a ripple effect, have some type of consequence. And I think that's a lot of games do that where you make a choice it has a consequence and then you learn from it. And that really was what that game was. You get to see it, when I make that choice, what's this, the simulation runs and then what's the effect? Does the person throw up? Are they happy? Do they like that food? Do they hate that wa- long walk that they had to make from one place to another? Yeah. Um, I think you can link back to like, I love that kind of stuff. And, Maybe one of the reasons why I got into design, experiential design, learning design, because I love the fact of organizing and figuring out how do I, what's the choices that I can make, which then has, makes an experience better for someone else. And, you know, not Mm -hmm. throw up. Yeah. I mean, that's that's... what we do every day. We just make sure people don't throw up (laughs) when they... They, they look at our stuff or experience anything that we do. I mean, that's our goal. So they, they don't throw up and they recognize the life's not fair. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, Bob, I was thinking back to your comment about developing a common language. And we talked about yeah. that, you know, in, in Q, uh, Hughes and Cues and, and the example you brought up. 
but I'm, my mind's going back to the onboarding stuff that we designed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The onboarding program we designed had a game in it where people got to learn common language uh, within the company. Right. Right. And I think the common language becomes so important because then it becomes almost a shorthand when you're communicating with other people. Yeah. And and I think that's something as learning designers we can think about. If we're bringing somebody new in, they don't know the shorthand of the language. And yeah. and, and we can teach that through a game. We, it can be a fun way to do it rather than just some type of a slog through a, a lecture. That's right. And it's a really good way to, um, you know, I think to reinforce the memory. Right. So if it's stuff like hey, what do these acronyms mean that you want people to know? You don't want them to have to look it up every time. You want it to be front of their mind. You know, you want it to be at the the no point of the taxonomy. Yeah. Uh, a, a game, playing a game with that to practice your recall is a really good way to do that. Yep. So um, we, we kind of started moving from tabletop games to digital games and mm-hmm. One of the things that I think also is interesting about Roller Coaster Tycoon, Jake, is there's lessons to be learned in that game about a whole bunch of different things, depending on what you're interested in, right? Because on one hand, you know, you can learn about designing a theme park and what makes a good theme park experience if you want to focus on that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, how, how do I want to be an Imagineer? On the other hand, if you want to focus more on the business aspect, you can focus on the business, right? Like, how much do I charge for this particular ride to maximize my profits and all that kind of stuff. But then you can also just learn the physics of designing a roller coaster. True. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, yeah. if you were building your roller coaster, you'd try time and time again to get it just right for the the train, just to make it around the track or, you know, not fall, fly off and, and kill or people not make or, the loop from. Yes, your thing exactly. Wasn't high enough. You're right? high enough to make the loop. Yeah. 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 So uh, another Another digital game, which is often used uh, for learning, especially for like high school age folks, is the game Portal. Uh, Jake, I'm sure you've played Portal, right? I don't know, yeah, Dana, if yeah. you've ever had. No. Um, it's 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 very fun on multiple levels. the The idea of it is it's a puzzle game, so you've got to get from one place to another over various obstacles. And you've got a gun that can shoot either an orange portal against a wall or a blue portal against the wall. And once you have the orange portal and the blue portal on the walls, they're linked. So if you walk through the orange, you come out of the blue. And I'm using hand gestures and watching Dana like not getting it, which makes me think this is going to be really terrible on audio. So, <laughs> Well, I was thinking, I was thinking of... Uh the construction that's going on down the street and thinking portal potties, but that's not. <laughs> no, 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 that's oh, not it. So I, you were saving that dad joke for, for 10 minutes. Yeah, I really I appreciate <laughs> you hanging on to that one. That's good. I did. But, um, yeah, but all sorts of things like this, right? It, it's like, it's creative problem solving. So it's physics, it's creative problem solving. And then on top of that, you get about two thirds of the way through the game and you learn that it's not just like this, contrived backstory that you're stuck in this lab and doing these portals, you actually like go backstage and you find out there's like this whole conspiracy going on and it's just crazy. It, it just unfolds on so many multiple levels. Hmm. And so portal is a game I just learned a ton from uh, in terms of the creativity and setting up problems for people that are fun and challenging, but then also that element of surprise 
yeah. is so cool. Yeah. Um, so, so Bob, a question about that. Yeah. When the people were designing the game, do you think they intentionally designed those lessons for people to learn into the game? Or were they just more or less looking at it as something fun with some physics built in? And uh, or, do, or how, how intentional do you think they were? I think that they weren't intentional at all. I think that their objective, I, I can find out because I just talked to a friend today who actually worked on that game. Um, but uh, I don't think that they were intending to build something that communicated a lot of lessons. But a lot of people picked up on that at the end. And, you know, a guy I used to work with previously uh, as a side hustle, he, I think he and one other friend created a whole like curriculum for high school based mm. on on hmm. Portal. And, you know, it was more physics physics based, as I recall. So, so uh, to yeah. me, there's an interesting lesson in that, right? Because if we are designing a game, there might be things that we are building into the game that people will learn that we're not being intentional about. Yeah, for right? sure. And so I think we need to pay attention to those things, but I think there can also, there, there needs to be from a learning design perspective, there needs to be some things that we are very intentional about teaching, but we need to think about the incidental things that people would learn as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the last, like, cause I know we're almost up on time, but you mentioned just the whole idea of the story and how it was a surprise that to me is one of the things I learned from games the most. I love mm -hmm. doing games and seeing how they set up the story structure, the immersion part of it, whether or not it's digital or non. Because even I get more fascinated sometimes with like box games or board games, sorry, or, or tabletop games, that they can set you up into this environment. And it's the stories that they write. I just think it's so good. Yeah. And I learn a lot. And again, they're not trying to make you learn that. That's just something I take away from it. Right. I, I love learning that stuff and seeing how they do it. Here's a great way to pivot into Star Wars. But I will say this is if you haven't ever played the game Knights of the Old Republic, the Star oh, Wars, yeah. the Knights of the Old Republic, yep. if you have any intention of playing that, turn this off right now because I'm going to give the big spoiler. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, you're not going to miss anything. I'm going to give the spoiler. We're going to wrap up. It'll be fine. Just join us next week. Thanks for being here. Okay. See ya. <laughs> if you're still here, right, in this story, Knights of the Old Republic, you're playing through this entire game. And the whole thing is you're trying to find this Dark Lord of the Sith named Revan, right? It's a search for Revan. And you are, which is a, a common trope for games. It's like, you wake up on a ship, you have amnesia, you don't have any idea who you are. So you have to, they, they use that in games very commonly to um, have a convenient reason to have a tutorial and to teach people the mechanics of playing the game. And, you know, you've got to relearn how to like pull out a gun and shoot and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's a very common thing, but you get about halfway through this game and all of a sudden there's a grand reveal that this whole time that you've been looking for Revan you actually are Revan <laughs> and you have been the whole time. And they basically, they, they took care of the evil side of you by giving you amnesia and making you forget that you were Revan. And so at that point you have to choose, are you, now that you have this information, you know how powerful you really are with the force. Are you going to go back to being evil Revan or are you going to become the new Revan and be a good Revan? Yeah. And that that moment is like one of the biggest twists in storytelling history. I mean, it, it's right up there with I see dead people. 
<laughs> that's true right yeah. yeah yeah i I love those i love when they can add again that just goes back to either the setup of the story or like there's some type of major twist yeah. in the middle that that either requires a choice or you're just completely surprised by yeah because that's what you start to remember you remember those moments and here's the thing i just said it was as good as i see dead people and i guarantee that anybody who has ever seen the movie The Sixth Sense knew exactly what I was talking about, remembered yeah. exactly what I was talking about. But if you haven't seen that movie, you have no clue what I was talking about. Unless you've seen the trailer for it, because that's what they feature in the trailer. But I don't know why you'd want to watch. How old is that movie now? 20 something years old. I don't even know why you. Yeah, it, it was released, uh, I think, two months after Star Wars Episode One. It was the same year. So that's what, 99? Wow. Really? That yeah. long wow. ago? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cute little kid is now an adult and he shows up on, um, he was on Silicon Valley. Is he still Valley. seeing dead people? I think so. <laughs> Looks like it. Hey, we got to wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we've run out of steam. Uh, it's been a long week. But hey, this is super fun, guys. Yeah, I don't know. I know. I don't know what learning value is in it, but it sure was a lot of fun. I think there was. I, I, I think well, there was too. I got some out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, We'll hear from our listeners if there wasn't. People will respond I say, to this LinkedIn post. Yeah, listeners, go play some games. Go try experience Absolutely. them, figure out what you can learn from them, and see what you can apply. Do some homework. I'm going to invite a bunch of neighbors over, and we're going to play kick the can. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good weekend doing that. Uh, thanks, you guys, for having this conversation. Thanks to our listeners for indulging us with this. Uh, hopefully, you got some value out of it. Uh, if you did, or even if you didn't, we hope that you'll join us on the next episode of the Learning Geeks podcast, which will come along very shortly. But until then, stay geeky, my friends. And uh, yeah, go play some link games and learn a thing or two. Take care. Right. Thanks, everybody. See you, everybody.